Pantry Studio production. The following may contain strong language and deals with adult themes. Listener discretion is advised. Oh, those hot days of summer. How so many of us wish that they would carry on. It's a dream in the midst of life. And like life itself, those days are gone far too quickly. All too often before we know it. Leaving us with nothing but those memories to reflect on and think about over and over. It was June 8th, 2020, and that day the skies were clear and it was hot. Even though temperatures were in the mid-80s in Kentucky, it's the humidity that gets you. Humidity in Kentucky can be stifling hot. It's the perfect time to get together for friends to take a swim. After all, I've so much about making those memories. Because before long, and before we know it, that's all we have left. Memories. Memories of the ones we love and care about. Recollections of better times when the world seemed right, when things seemed better. For one family in rural Kentucky, after that day, life would never seem or feel right again. That was the day that the family of James Dwayne Lovelace received news news that would change their lives forever. A family that is now seeking answers and truth. These are the Mountain Mysteries, and this is Episode 7, A Lake of Tears, The Mountain Mystery of James Dwayne Lovelace. I will be the last to fall Shed a tear for them to see There are over 1.9 billion square acres in the United States alone, and 24% of those are mountainous. The secrets that these regions hold are enormous. Reports of mysterious creatures, strange sightings and sounds, ghosts and murders, and those who have seemingly vanished. There are questions that need asking and answers worth finding. These are the Mountain Mysteries. Here's Chris Sloan.
Well, they say it was a drowning. No one disputes that, but was it an accidental drowning? Not so sure about that. Maybe not. We're going to look a little deeper into this. On this episode of The Mountain Mysteries, we bring to you a story of heartbreak, tragedy, love, and that most precious of things, hope. I really miss him, and I love him. And if I could, I'd trade places with him. I'd do it in a heartbeat. 7,499 days. Well, that's just a little bit shy of 21 years. That may seem like a lifetime, but oh no. To Mildred Terry Lovelace and Herschel Lovelace, Dwayne's grandmother and his dad, respectively, that was only like yesterday. But as it does happen, I tend to get ahead of myself, so of course all these stories that we bring to you on the Mountain Mysteries, well, they all have a beginning. I remember us standing outside and they were in there and we heard uh, her and then we heard, the next thing we heard was a baby crying. And I was thinking the first time I heard the little thing cry, I fell in love with him. I was all, and they brought him to the door and showed him to us. And then later on we went into the room where they had him in the little incubator thing. And uh, the more I looked at him and the more I loved him, I fell in love with that little boy. He stole my heart that day. That was Granny's baby. That's Mildred Terry Lovelace, Dwayne's grandmother. She was a colossal part of James's life. He was born November 27, 1999, to Herschel Lovelace and Katrina Williams Turner. He went by his middle name, Dwayne, to almost everyone who knew him. Barely out of his teens, he had a love for cars, trucks, bikes, ATVs, anything that could get him there or nowhere in particular a little faster. The all-American guy, and for the most part, life was good and getting better by the day. It was really quite obvious early on that Dwayne was going to be someone special. So protective. Uh, he didn't want to be out of our sight. And I was so afraid that he would... Yeah, he didn't want to be away from us. And... Um, because if we left him or anything, he, he always wanted us right with him. And the day I t before school started, I told him, I said, Dwayne, you got to go to school. If you don't, they'll put your daddy in jail. Because I wanted to let him know that he'd take his daddy away from me. <laughs> so he said, okay. Then I called at school the day he went. I took him. He was like a little gentleman. Left him down there and went to get him. The teacher, I called the teacher, and she said, I said, how's Dwayne doing? She said, honey, he's walking around here like a little man. And then when I went to get him, I said, don't worry. Somebody will be here to pick you up. You ain't got a thing to worry about. And then the day, first day I went and got him at school, his teacher, they all lined up outside. And he said, there comes my mommy. But I wasn't his mom. I said, I'm his granny. But he called me mommy. There comes my mommy. Well, as it does happen, the grade school years turned into the high school years. And Dwayne played football through that entire period. Oh, but in addition to playing football, he was also a self-taught musician. 
He could play the guitar and sing quite nicely as well. And he even tried his hand at mechanic work. Even though, at first, that didn't work out so well. Dwayne's dad, Herschel, or as many of his friends call him, Herbie, told me about one case in particular. Well, it'll have you falling off the top. He uh, lined up with my daddy's truck. We bought him an LED bar, 12-inch LED bar. Bought me one, about him one. Murray ordered the force. I put mine on my Ford truck, and he went there and put his on his little Nissan, and he put his little lemon wheels on it, washed it, cleaned it up, got it so happy, and it got dark. He took off down toward the river. There's a river down by our house. He took off down that river, and he come back. He want to try the LED bar out, and he come back, and he pulled down that creek, and we did the LED bar fall off into the creek. <laughs> he pulled down into the creek, and the LED bar that he'd worked so hard on all day fell right off the top, and what did Dwayne do? We laughed about it, of course. It's live, things like that happen. His stepmother, Marie, also shared a memory with us. And when I heard this, I couldn't help but laugh out loud. We had recently moved, and we hadn't lived there. We moved in the winter, and that summer, him and his best friend had got the kids' tricycles and was riding them up down the road. It was the funniest thing ever. How old was he when this happened? 18. <laughs> <laughs> There he was at 18 years of age and about five foot eight or five foot nine riding a tricycle down the road. But it gets better. We went four wheeling on the 476 and we we were uh, watching him to the side. He was on the dirt bike, not a dirt bike, but a four wheeler. And we were in the side by side. And anyway, we know what he had planned. So it's like a big mud hole. And he was going to go through that and try to splash us. But instead, he got it. <laughs> he was covered in mud. <laughs> and he did life about it. A big country boy with an even bigger heart and a lot of love to give. He loved to laugh, carry on, and show the people in his life that he cared about them. Well, he had a little bit of a shy side, but it said that once he got to know you, he would talk as long as you'd let him. Great times, wonderful memories, and a caring family. Who could ask for anything more? Oh, but it's times like these that we remember fondly because they almost never last. It wouldn't be long before a day came that would change the lives of Mildred, Herbie, Marie, and so many others forever. Coming up, the worst news a family can get when the Mountain Mysteries returns. I'm Chris Sloan, Christopher Shelby Sloan, host, producer, and creator of the Mountain Mysteries podcast, and also an audiobook narrator. I'd like to take a second to talk to you about an audiobook that's now available on Audible, Amazon, iTunes, and other places where audiobooks are sold. Masterpieces, the best science fiction short stories, book one, written by Lamise Salazar. This is a display of the most boundary-pushing, genre-blurring creative sophistication. By sending us to alternate universes and engaging with a wide spectrum of emotions, from tenderness to fear, each of these stories challenged the way that we see our place in the cosmos. 
Each story dazzles with ambition-striking style and a promise of imagining the unthinkable. With 10 short stories, your imagination is sure to be intrigued. Here's a sample. It was the most perfectly round thing he'd ever seen in his whole life. He was hypnotized by the strange object. He didn't realize that Spencer was shaking his right arm. Mark, wake up. Let's get out of here. Quit acting like a baby. Can't you see it's safe? Can't you feel it? Stop whining and take a proper look. I don't want to look at the damn thing. I just want to get out of here. The sphere emitted a low and deep energy pulse that stunned the kids who suddenly fell on the ground. When they got up, the sphere was floating just two inches above the ground, emitting no sound at all. Mark, I think we're just drunk as hell and this is a dream or a nightmare. Tomorrow we'll wake up with terrible hangovers and I'll be late for the breakfast shift. Shut up. Let's see if that thing is real or not. Mark kicked the sphere. It buzzed and shook in the air. Okay, maybe you're right. We're just drunk. Let's go. Then the upper part floated up and the lower half sprouted four tiny legs that grew until they hit the ground. Dude, you've broken the UFO. Spencer laughed, still sitting on the ground. A small greenish light began to pulse between the two halves. It can talk? Mark, did you just hear that? What the hell did it just say? Uh, hey, Mr. Spaceman, can you understand us? Spence, I think it's broken. Where are we? Yeah, where are we? Where are we? Did you hear that, Mark? It just needed to tune into our language, I guess. Masterpieces. The Best Science Fiction Short Stories, Book One. Now available on Apple, Audible, Google, Amazon, and wherever audiobooks are sold. We now return to The Mountain Mysteries, Episode 7, A Lake of Tears. Can you imagine going back to a time when you were 20 years old? Well, I can't. I don't think I'd want the drama or the headache that went along with thinking that I knew everything, but in my particular case, I knew absolutely nothing. For the purposes of this episode, we're using pseudonyms to protect the identity of the people that we've not been able to talk to yet, but I hope to be able to very soon. We'll call him Barry. Now, Barry was a pretty good friend of Dwayne's, but for some reason, a week or two before he died, they had a falling out. Not really sure what that was all about, but they did communicate somewhat through social media, messaging, and texts. That kind of thing. Now, we're told that it was on June the 8th that Barry contacted Dwayne and asked him to go swimming. Oh, and it should be noted that there was a girl involved. We'll call her Tina. Now, as we've been made to understand, Tina had a thing for Dwayne, but Barry had a thing for Tina. 
June 8th, 2020. That day I was out home and I was mowing grass, me and my grandson, and some one of his friends messaged me and said, Mildred, I heard Dwayne is dead. And I didn't know what to think, and I thought, so I, my friend, I had a friend to call me, and she said, Mildred, is Dwayne all right? And uh, so I never, I said, sure, he's working, because he's supposed to work in the backer field that day. So she turned around, and she said, Mildred, if you don't care, would you please call and check on him? And I called my son, and I said, Herbie, where is Dwayne? And he said, Mom, he went swimming. My heart sunk. Literally sunk. I can't begin to imagine the nightmare that this was, that you were living. How many days did you go before he was found? two days. He went missing on June the 8th and they found him at 10. On the 10th at 7.40, they brought him up from the water. Those days were living hell, leaving him, knowing that my baby was in that water. Not knowing if they were going to find him or not. And I still live with that today. I think about that so much the days he was in that water. And I was so afraid that fish or something would start, you know. And I was afraid of beginning to wonder if they were going to find him. But we prayed, and my sister had called me that morning, and she said, Mildred, she said, the Lord told me that today was the day Dwayne was going to come home. And then I had a friend that was down there that day that told me the same thing, that today was the day they would find him. And they did. They found him. They found him by a cross. His, they seen his leg, and, it's, and it had papaw on it. it. had a tattoo with papaw on it. That's how they found him. How long does it take for someone to begin to question the events that led up to a loved one's death? By all accounts, Dwayne could swim quite well. He was an excellent swimmer. Excellent. A friend of ours told us that he put two bricks. A friend of his yeah. told me that he put two bricks on his foot and never went under the water and swam all the way across the canoe river. Yes. When that boy was 13 years old, he died 40 foot deep in the Buckhorn Lake. Or ever how deep it is, it was a long ways. I died to two. And he came back ashore. I barely made it back to the top. The other boy said he couldn't do it. He said he tried it too. He said he stopped halfway across. Now the water weren't over their head though, but he said they swim. And he said he stopped and put his feet down, took the box off the wing, and all the way across it. Did you go down there that first day, Mildred? What did you see? What did you think? When did the doubts, the questions in your mind began to come into play? And what were you thinking? That day that we went down there, I didn't go the first day because I was at home and my son was out, him and Marie. They were out, and I called them, so they were headed down there. And um, I went the next day with them. I, I felt like it wasn't, something wasn't right. No, not from the stories that were told. 
But before I left there, I talked to that game warden there. That was there, and that state trooper right out there, and and I talked to the boys with him. And uh, I didn't like the plans, the way things were going. I didn't, I couldn't really believe it, because I know my son is actually swimming. You know, isn't, you don't dispense without a trace. I knew it wasn't no accident. So when did they begin to question the events of that day as they were told? What happened? Who came forward? And when? When we started posting, if anybody had seen anything or noted anything. Well, later I talked to Smoke. He, I talked to him, and he read the autopsy report, and he said, let me investigate. What? Somewhat. Actually, the first night when they searched for him, I started getting messages from people wanting to know what happened, and they had messaged Burry, and he was telling them a complete different story about what happened. Burry was. Yeah, he told different stories. He telling everybody so different stories. Mm -hmm. Today, during the 8th, I asked Burry, did there be any way my son could have fell off the rock because it's under the water? And see, when you walk across it, you must have 20 foot on each edge. And I asked him plainly, I said, anyway, he could have fell off the edge. Maybe he just hadn't went on down. He said, told me plainly that there was no way because we were 20 foot from either edge of that rock under that water. He said, you could see through the water into the bottom of the rock. Well, if it's not an accidental drowning, the family has theories on what really happened. Well, he had a bruise right here. They said the water done it. They said that the water comes. Yeah. He had marks around his neck. That's Marie, Dwayne's stepmom. It looked like, to me, it looked like someone had come behind him and went just like this. Dark place. Marie demonstrated a chokehold. Yes. Yeah. When they brought him out of water, but I mentioned it to the film home. They said that it, the water will cause some damage to your body like that. Well, just because I've never heard of it doesn't mean it can't happen. Now, remember this whole time we've been using pseudonyms, replacing people's real names with made-up names to protect their identity. So I asked about Tina. Tina said that she wasn't there at the time, but allegedly she had the hots for Dwayne while Barry had the hots for her. How old was she at this time? About 17. Well, of course, I had to ask if they knew about her. Well, actually, we didn't know about her until he had died. Okay, well, maybe it was a new thing, or maybe they just hadn't spoke much about it. Maybe it didn't mean much to Dwayne at all. But, as I like to say, the plot thickens. You see, she told authorities that she wasn't even there. Told the family the same thing, but when they talked to other people, that story changed. These other people said, oh, she was there. Exactly. She was seen there by multiple people oh 
and Marie said it was definitely more than one person that said that Tina was there. So if she was there, why would she tell investigators and authorities and other family members that she wasn't? Well, the same reason anyone would. They've done something or know something and don't want to get involved or get into trouble about it. Or maybe she's just scared beyond belief. What do you hope to get out of this? I'm hoping for the truth to come out and whoever done anything to him or hurt him, I hope I want them to pay for it. And what if it's just a tragic accident? What if that seems to be the case? Well, I know accidents do happen. I don't believe it was an accident. Barry and Tina dated just a little bit, probably a month or two later, my son died, I think. Uh-uh. That night. The night that we all left the lake on June 8th, he went and stayed with her that night. Bertha County is a small county, and Jackson is a small town. I'm sure you run into him from time to time, Barry, that is. How does he respond, or how does he react when you come face-to-face with him? He runs from us. He drops his head, walks away from me. I don't ever see him much. To me, it looks like he's living a life of hell. He's just sad looking. looking. And when when he ran with my boy, he was all time smiling. The other day I walked in Walmart and he looked at me before I got in the store. And then by the time I got in the store, he was standing over here at the cash register with his back turned toward me. Well, did he see you come in? He, he was standing right. He was standing right in front of the cashier when I went in. Before I got him, he sent me to the window. I looked right at him, and he was standing right in front of the cashier. And when I got in the store, he was standing over here to the side of the cashier with his back turned toward me. Maria, have you seen him? Have you run across him in public? And if you did, did you have the same experience yourself? Oh yeah. I took his brothers and sisters out. It was, what, about two weeks ago to McDonald's, and we were sitting behind McDonald's. You know, we was eating, and I looked up, and I seen him. Well, he seen me. Guy wanted to buy something out of the back of his truck. He wouldn't get out. So he crawled from the front to the back, opened up the back door so he could, so I couldn't see him. You don't want first to see him. Right there at the end, when you heard Herbie say that he doesn't like for us to see him. Why? The most notable explanation I can think of, or the only thing to me that really makes sense, is a sense of shame. Why would that be? Could be any number of reasons. Could be because he failed to help Dwayne, and as he said, he didn't realize that he'd gone under the water. If he's standing here right now, and you could tell him anything, what would you tell him? If I could say one thing to Dwayne, how much I really miss him, and I love him. 
And if I could, I'd trade places with him. I'd do it in a heartbeat. That boy was my life. And I live with this every day, knowing that I'm never going to lay eyes on him again. can really express how much you're feeling or what you're feeling. Sometimes the words well they're just not enough. <laughs> I would tell him that I loved him with all my heart. Almost 21. He used to make jokes with his granny about being able to go out and buy his first beer on his own. Anytime that a life has cut this short, it robs everyone. People that he knew, people that he loved, people that knew and loved him, people that he did not yet know, and the good that he could have done. So now I, I ask you, the people listening to this right now, this question, what happened to James Dwayne Lovelace? If you have any information, any at all, that can help this family and his true friends, please call the Kentucky State Police at 1-800-222-5555. You can ask for Trooper Smoot. That's S-M-O-O-T. Unfortunately, I didn't know Dwayne, but I can't help but feel an immense sense of loss. I wish I had have known him. But I feel like through this podcast, through this particular episode, I've gotten to know him a lot better. And all I can say is this is a tragedy in every sense of the word. If you can help, please contact Mildred Lovelace or the Kentucky State Police. Again, that number is posted in the episode notes below. On whatever platform you're listening to this on, I hope that you'll subscribe and give us a five-star rating and write a review. And don't forget to join us on the Facebook page. Yeah, we've got one. It's Facebook slash The Mountain Mysteries. And join us live on video every Thursday evening at 8 p.m. It's called The Mountain Mysteries Gatherings. We'll talk about cases like Dwayne's and more. I want to extend a special heartfelt thank you for the time that the Lovelace family shared with me and the honor of allowing me to share their story with you. Until the next time, I'm Chris Loan for the Mountain Mysteries. Stay mysterious. If you enjoy the Mountain Mysteries, please subscribe and give us a five-star rating. That helps us so much. 
You can also help support the Mountain Mysteries by visiting our sponsors, whose links are below, or by donating at Patreon or the PayPal link shown in the notes. Patreon subscribers will receive early commercial-free episodes and more. Studio Production.